Welcome to Freed Up. This is the podcast space where life feels lighter. You know, sometimes life can have us feeling worn out and weighed down, locked up and left out, or just simply looking for more. And if that sounds like you, then you are in the right place. You can live freed up and not fed up. Well, listen, today's episode is part two of our conversation with our licensed professional counselor guest, Vaughn Eaglin. Vaughn talked to us in the last episode about the primary issues that men present with when they come in therapy. And so today he's going to talk a little bit about what you can expect from therapy and what are some of the strategies that women can use when they're talking to men to encourage them to pursue that help when they need it. We're also going to talk about how parents can talk to their sons. Y'all, there's a lot packed into this episode. Vaughn's dropping all kind of nuggets. So you need to stay tuned and get ready to go in. There are some issues that we as black men deal with um, that other populations don't, especially in America. Yeah. Do you want to mention a couple of those? There's several. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, again, this goes all the way back to slavery um, in terms of like how we were taking out the home and Mm -hmm. the black community on that. And Tina, you may see this as well. So is that, you know, you tend to have more of a like a matriarchal system. So the patriarchal system is not there. So when big mama dies, then the whole family unit breaks apart because men, they were taken out of the homes and and, and sold off in different ways. And so and again, I don't want to go into all the detail about the history of black men. However, uh, when you look at us in terms of like lack of education, you look at us um, in terms of like how men I'll say like, well, let me let me let me preface this when we talk about masculinity. Masculinity is not organic. It just doesn't happen. It is reactive. In other words, you know, when a guy comes and talks to another guy, what happens is that he kind of postures himself based on the guy sitting across from him. And then that guy postures himself. And then as he's posturing himself, I'm going to reposture myself. And it's almost like two peacocks playing this, like this dance and so on and so forth in terms of how we interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And as guys, we look to the oldest guy in our environment to set the tone for what we perceive as being masculinity. OK, and then we look for that guy to then validate us. You know, the best thing you can tell a, a young man is that I'm proud of you. You know, but um, but here's the thing is that if I'm looking at someone in my environment, let's say as a drug dealer or let's say as someone, you know, went to jail, you know, someone who, you know, uh, who's unfaithful. Like I have a frat brother of mine. He told me, he said, you know what? I don't have any men in my family who ever been faithful to their wives. None of them. None of Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, and so and, uh, and, you know then at some point he wasn't faithful to his wife, you know? And so, but that's what he saw growing up. He's like, like, this is the norm. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have a couple of side chicks, you know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter, you know? So, you know, it's like, if you're looking at that to say, okay, this is what manhood should be. You have to now redefine what manhood is. If you want to get back to some fundamental things that make a family unit work really well, for instance, are you giving, are you loving, are you compassionate, are you emotionally dismissive, or are you actually attending to um, your wife or, you know, in in the ways that you should be like, um, are you integrous, you know, are you, you know, are you hardworking? Like there are all these other attributes and characteristics, not just, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, the 
things that we traditionally believe as masculinity in terms of like, oh, I need to have you know money or I need to be having mm-hmm. sex with a lot of women or whatever the case is. And so um, so you see the family unit is a lot different in the African-American community because more more. I mean, there are, you know, uh, it's disproportionate in terms of like there are more single women. Um, but again, there is, we're disproportionate across the board whenever you look at a lot of different um, things. But uh, again men just aren't in the home the way they need to be within the African-American community. And like I was saying before, manhood is not organic. It is very reactive to your environment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just thinking um, because I see mostly men, um, most of my client base is over 40 mm-hmm. and mostly um, black men. Really? And it's because I, I serve in community-based mental health. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a particular community in, um, in the city and it just happens to be a, a, a black populated community. And so um, because it's a, a, a special programming that we're doing, I just happen to be seeing mostly black men. And it's interesting that every single one of them presents with the racial trauma piece yeah. underlying the depression and the anger mm-hmm. and all of those other characteristics that you talked about. Oh, yeah. Uh, the race trauma at the base of it. So it's an important mm-hmm. conversation to have about black men. We'll have to have you come back and talk specifically about some of that. Mm-hmm. Um so I want to just kind of think about this whole piece of when men come to therapy. So what could a man expect when he comes to the therapeutic process? Because I think that's part of the destigmatization is what can I expect when I come? How's it so, going to look? Well, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Ask I, me? I totally understand that. So my one of guys, we you know, when we seek therapists and I'll be honest with you, I get a lot of my clients simply because I'm an African-American male and they want to connect with another African-American male. And many times I hear the argument or I hear them say, I don't want another black woman feeling like they're telling me what to do or they're trying to force me into something. Um, uh, I want to be able to talk to a guy. And then, you know, my background, I have an athletic background. I've been involved in, you know, I mean, I connect with a lot of different guys. You know, I have a, a gay male uh, clientele as well. So like mm-hmm. a lot of like different types of guys come into my office, um, you know, even different spiritual backgrounds and they, because they want to connect with another male. Um, so what can they expect, though? They can expect, you know, uh, a place where they can hopefully be open, honest, feel safe enough to feel vulnerable because inherent within any type of vulnerability, you, there's a risk. And so when guys take mm-hmm. the risk of uh, being vulnerable, then they should, you know, hopefully feel some level of empathy. They should feel understood um, because, uh, you know, understanding, feeling validated, feeling that em- empathy, a lot of times moves the needle, no matter what technique you have, no matter, you know, what you're working with theory, what you're working theory. But when they feel understood, then we can make some progress in terms of like the therapeutic goals and helping them solve some of the issues they want. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, one of my main goals is to connect uh, really quickly, build rapport with them really quickly. And then we start working on some of the things that they want to work on. Now, if they're working on relationship issues, you know, then we're going to, you know, some guys, they want to problem solve. They want to get to the thing like really quickly. I may be giving them some, you know, homework and saying, okay, read this book. And uh, it just really depends on, you know, the guy, to be honest with you, because some guys that come in because they're just, influence to come. Um, some guys, again, they come in and say, you know what, I really want to work. And it just really depends on their sense of urgency because the more urgent they come in, the greater therapeutic leverage I have as a counselor because they want help. They're seeking help. Um, and so uh, if, if that makes sense. so Yeah, totally. I mean, it's yeah. that whole stages of change right? mm-hmm. it's that where oh, yeah. I'm coming in. Am I coming in to do the work? One of my uh, male clients, African-American male clients um, told me after about seven months, 
Mm. Um, he said, okay, so I'm finally in, like I'm finally yeah. here, yeah. fully yeah. present with you. Yeah. And so I think it takes probably a little bit longer with a, a, a female therapist. And so mm. it's always good to see our men connecting with men that want that, um, yeah. that yeah. want that environment. So mm. what about the man who's out there who's listening? And he's like, look, I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. I got these issues and I would go, mm-hmm. but I can't afford it. So what are some strategies and some tools or what are some resources that they can take hold of to say, I can start my process until I can get to that place where I can afford going? Gotcha. Well, I would even make the argument that, you know, you can't afford not to, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, sometimes, if, you know, um, I'm reasonably fit and, you know, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll talk to a family member or a friend of mine and we talk about the ideas like you're going to either you're going to pay for it on the front end or the back end, to be honest with you. And so you might as well go ahead and try to eat healthy, try to do some things now. So yeah. you, you don't have to have these doctor bills whenever you have cancer and you have these, you know, and your body's breaking down, you know, later on. Um, so. Um, so. Again, guys, like I said before, because we deal with issues in isolation, usually we don't want to come in until we have like is is you know, we're in dire straits. So, um, and I was just talking about my, my own personal experience. I was fortunate enough because when I uh, got into the master's program, or when I uh, came into the master's program uh, to get my master's, um, we actually had to get counseling. And mm-hmm. my first experience with that was my my real first experience with counseling. You know, I had some men in my life that you know, and I had a lot of strong men in my life, and um, but with being open and vulnerable, it was this little white girl. I can't remember her name. I just remember she had like dark um, brunette hair and I gave it to her. I mean, I, I mean, I ripped her a new one. I was just, and, and, and mind you, you know, these <laughs> t- sessions are being taped. Is she still working? <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I have no idea, but I mean, like, cause I'm from Beaumont, Texas and Beaumont, um, I'll say it like this Beaumont. I mean, it's a cool town. It's like an overgrown. And this is this is Vaughn's opinion. There's some good parts of Beaumont, um, but uh, I went to the hood school though, and um, to the. It, I mean, we had one white guy on our football team. It was a ve- it wasn't a very diverse school. You know, there were very low expectations. Um, I graduated with like a 2.6 GPA, and out of 400 kids, I was still in the first quarter of my class, like number 67 or something. Wow. Like that, you know I mean? And so, you know, again, high the, high the expectations weren't very high whenever you you know went to you know my high school. Um, and Beaumont is uh, usually, I think it's like, uh, I think Forbes magazine rated it as the least educated metropolitan city in America. Um, and this was a, a few years ago. And um, it's typically one of the highest per capita murder rates in Texas. And also is one of the top 10 fattest cities in America, too. So we like to eat really well down there. But eat again, and not do homework. <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's the case. Apparently that's the case. So, uh, I mean, I love my hometown at the same time. Like I said, I didn't have a lot of high expectations coming from where I came from. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, have I been pulled out of car and searched before? Yes. Have I been, you know, uh, I mean, have I had some hate crimes on me before? Yeah. I mean, like even my wife, I was talking to her before, like, hey, you know, somebody wrote nigger on my car. But I mean, it's just stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like this white girl, I just looked at her like you can't identify with me. There's nothing mm-hmm. in your background that says you can identify with what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And so and I just and I listened to her for like 30, 45 minutes or whatever. And I walked out there feeling righteous justification. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and um, and then my uh, girlfriend at the time, now my wife, she was like, you know what? You need to give that young lady a chance. And uh, so she gave she she influenced me. <laughs> say, 
That's um, what we can know. do as women. We can only yeah, influence. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. You're right. And so, um, so I gave the, uh, so I gave the, 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 you know, therapeutic process a chance to work, and it did. And so, by the fourth session, you know, the woman just made a simple reflection. She said, "You sound angry at your father," and I was like, "Hook!" And I stopped in my tracks, and I was like, "Hold up, I guess I am angry." I never knew it about this one particular incident. And my dad yeah. had a great dad, you know, yeah. most of my, most of my friends didn't have a dad growing up. And so, um, you know, it was something that, uh, you have to experience. And I've, I've ran some men's groups before I ran an African-American male men's group when I was, uh, you know, cause I get even African-American men uh, in general, they're at risk population in higher education. Um, because especially at PWIs, pr- pr- predominantly white institutions. And so, you know, um, it was, and, you know, all those guys said this was one of the best experiences I've ever had because again, they felt known, they felt understood. Mm-hmm. They felt they, they, they could identify with other men that were going through similar issues, um, and group counseling there's something that we call universality, which is like, welcome to the human experience. In other words, you're not alone in this experience. And so when other men connect with other men, there's something that's, uh, that's really powerful about that. Because when guys go through things, they become really close. There's there's this bond. You can ask anybody who's been on a team sport and they've been through it. You can ask people who've been in war together. How There's this camaraderie, there's this bond, there's this brotherhood that forms. Um, But when guys go through things together, and I can say people in general, I mean, Mm-hmm. Like Stockholm syndrome, <laughs> yeah, Stockholm yeah. syndrome. You know what I mean? If you, yeah. uh, but uh, but when people go through things together, they get close. And so, but when guys go through things together, and you become open and vulnerable, and you you know have to lean on the, your brother for something, then again, that's just a powerful experience that you can have uh, that you can't have another uh, whenever you're by yourself. So, uh, so there are resources out there. Getting back to your question, there are resources out there. I used to work for a grant program. Um, I know uh, several counselors that uh, work on a sliding scale. I work on a sliding scale for some of my clients as well. I have counselors that I refer to um, that are cheaper than me. Let's say they're in training. And so um, definitely reach out, find uh, someone. And then um, if even you can look me up and if you can, you know, if I can't help you, I can definitely get your referral to somebody who can definitely help you. Because like I said, you know, there are more men that are coming actually into the profession of, of, of therapy as well. So yeah. um, because we're coming in again, we're going to be able to service your needs. And, um, you know, again, there are, there are hotlines and, and places you can call as well. But, you know, there are a lot of African-American male counselors out there. Um, that are becoming more well-known too. So, Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And I do want to say this. Don't let the fact that if you cannot find a male therapist, still go to therapy mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. and then be finding that resource. And we can yeah. help you uh, between Vaughn and myself, we can help you get connected to a male therapist. And if you want an African-American male therapist, we can do that as well. There's some resources mm-hmm. that have been popped up here in the last two to three years that have been very helpful in in whatever city or state you're in, because we do have people who listen all over the country to read mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the deal. Women mm-hmm. influencing men, <laughs> women, <laughs> parenting. as you talked about, there are a lot of single parents out there that are trying to parent young men mm-hmm. um, and really help young men develop this emotional capacity to reflect and and some women are not because they don't mm-hmm. do that themselves they haven't had that that education process mm-hmm. so so talk to the women out there mm-hmm. and how would you advise them to and, and some of this is going to pull on your relationship uh <laughs> so, so, so yeah. what are what are the ways what are the strategies what are the sweet word tools to help cultivate that um conversation with the men in their lives to say, Hey, I think it's time to get some help. How do they do that? What are matter of fact, let's talk a little bit about what are some of the drive them away 
conversation. Well, um, well, here's the thing. So, well, let's just, it depends on what kind of guy you're talking to. So let me, let me go there first. So if it is a husband and wife, when you look at the research, cause I do, I do a lot of couples counseling, men who do what's called accept influence have a, about an 81%, well, men, let me back up, men who do not accept influence have about an 81% failure rate within a marriage. In other words, whenever you accept influence, that is, I am able to be persuaded by my partner. And I take my partner into consideration when I'm making decisions um, and going about my daily life. So it's really important that men learn to accept influence. So it depends on what kind of guy you're talking to, okay? If a guy, you know, you, you want to try to assess if he's ready for therapy or how resistant he is. You talked about stages of change before, you know, um, when we talk about stages of change in therapy and quote me if I'm, if I'm wrong about this, Tina, please let me know. So yeah, pre-contemplative, they're not thinking about changing at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like that. And so um, there's the contemplative. Okay. And then what is it? You're getting preparation. Is that right? So you're getting ready to change. Then you're actively, you know, uh, in the action. With, you're in yeah. the action stage and then uh, maintenance. Maintenance. Uh, yeah. yeah and yeah, and then uh, every now and then in the addictions world, they got a relapse. They got a relapse <laughs> thing in there too. You know what I mean? So, and then you got to go back through the pre-contemplation. That happens thing. in regular counseling world too. We relapse with a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, um, so uh, with counseling, um, a lot of times whenever you're trying to influence someone to change, you may ask them uh, motivational interviewing questions. You know, um, and some of those questions would be like, "Hey, you know what? If you stayed the same, you know." Um, um, what does that look like? You come alongside that person, you empathize with them, you validate. And if you need some motivational interviewing questions, you, you, you can. Every night, I mean, if you get really advanced with motivational interviewing, there's even what we call a paradoxical intention. Let's say if I have a client, um, I may challenge them in a way, perhaps you're not ready to change. And it may get them to buy in. No, I am ready to change. You know, So there are different ways that you can help them. But definitely you have to be patient as men, uh, as you help men to define what the issue is, learn how to manage the issue. Um, and then, you know, and then identify, you know, um, you know, what they need to work on. Um, but again, let some of the counseling do some of that, but you know, it, it's really important that you understand what they're going through. Number one, but then have a really open and honest conversation, not one where you're being, where you're pushing that person, but, really just asking them some open-ended questions. You know, um, I like to say that understanding always precedes problem solving. And that's what in, within mm -hmm. any relationship. Um, it can be a colleague, it can be, you know, your spouse, it can be, you know, your, your kid, it can, whoever it is, understanding always precedes problem solving. So until you actually understand the issue, mm -hmm. then we're not going to be able to problem solve. So the man needs to be listened to. He needs to be heard. He needs to be validated. You need to listen, understand, and validate. You can say some people use the acronym love on them, uh, listen, understand, and then validate. But then asking them some open-ended questions and then helping them to come to some um, some epiphanies or insights or whatever you want to call it, illuminations, revelations, whatever you want to call it, um, that, you know, that they may need to get some help, you know. Um, so, uh, so, so yeah, again, be patient, you know, ask some questions, listen, understand, validate their perspective. And then if you need some motivational interviewing questions, I can email you a copy of some motivational interviewing <laughs> questions, hit me up. And then, uh, you're going to ask, you're like, man, like you, you, you'd be counseling on, you know, a pseudo counselor for your, for the man in your life. So, yeah. There you go. And we'll make sure we put Vaughn's information. He's going to give us permission to put that in the description box of the episode. Uh, so you can reach out if you need to email. Of course, you always have freed up information as well. I do want to say just as a woman and, and, and talking to my, my girls out there, all of my tribe, the freed up women out there, that some of the things that we do that can really trigger um, responses that we don't want to get. And so, of course, I love the fact that you raised this, Vaughn, about 
just being lis- a listener, but listening non-judgmentally. Because mm. sometimes we tend to listen to respond to something and be like, ah, but no, at this, and we want to kind of um, pick it apart. And so, so listening non-judgmentally, mm-hmm. and then just responding with a, a validation statement, which we really is empathy, is just that yeah. you can identify with what they're feeling, even if you don't agree with it, and mm-hmm. even if you don't like it. You don't have mm-hmm. to. Either of those don't have to be present to show empathy, and mm-hmm. and those are really game changers because they change the brain. The brain thinks differently, mm-hmm. and it can respond differently when it's had that empathetic approach. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to encourage the sisters out there, listen, this is, and trust me, this is not something I'm making up. It's something that I, I know from, from past experience. It's a lesson learned. Yeah. So just want to share that, that that is so important to support the men in our lives. So let me, let me tag on to that. So, you know, let me just give you a couple of different phrases that you can say. Um, so just in this, we use this one in, in a certain like couples therapy called safe conversation. There are self, safe conversation workshops all, all over the place. So number one, you want to mirror, you know, and just as, as he's talking, say, let me see if I got that. And that's where you kind of pair it with the saying. So you say this, you said this, and you said this, and then check for accuracy. Did I get that? Okay. And then become curious. Is there more to that? Because you want to change criticism into curiosity, and then that's going to lead to connection. That's your three C's for the night. So change criticism into curiosity, and that's going to lead to connection. And I say criticism because most people tend to think, you know what, if you just acted and thought a little bit more like me, we wouldn't have this problem. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, so again, you become curious and here's your validation statement which is, you know what, you make sense to me or that makes sense to me and what makes sense to me is and just tell them what makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. And an empathic statement, again, just put yourself in the other person's shoes, which is, you know, you know, I can imagine you feel I can imagine you feel that and then imagine what that person is going through. Now, there are different types of empathy. OK, there's cognitive empathy where you can literally mm-hmm. see what's going on with the person like I see you're sad. You know, now there are what we call aroused empathy. And well, I'll say it like this emotional empathy is where you feel with the person and then compassionate empathy is where it causes you to even move beyond emotional empathy and be with that person and help them as they go throughout their process. I like to say like this, my analogy is like, you know, cognitive empathy is seeing somebody in the hole. Emotional empathy is getting in the hole with them. Compassionate empathy is like whenever they're ready to get out the hole, Hey, you put them on your back and y'all climb out the hole together, you know? So, um, so the last two are the ones that are um, the ones that you want to try to uh, communicate or at least, um, you know, experience with the man in your life. Okay. But again, you know, if he's not open and he's not ready, you know what I mean? I don't want you to force him. Um, but there will come a time whenever he feels like he's, you know, I do need the help, but, uh, you'll get a lot further with understanding and validating where he's at, as opposed to him, you feeling him feeling like you're nagging at him. So. Yeah, no, good stuff. Good stuff right there. And that works too for that team in your house, that, mm-hmm. that young man It's the same yeah. thing is sometimes, um, you know, depending on parenting style, sometimes mm. you can have that style where it's like, you know, do what I say and yeah. I'm trying to get to it and I'm, I'm going yeah. in a different direction than I might with a significant other. But it's still mm. being curious um, and, and not being critical. And I'll add a C to what you said. When mm. that happens, then you give that man, that young, that young man or that grown man, you give them a chance to contribute. Mm. And that's important because mm. a lot of times men feel cut off. Yeah. When yeah. they're not asked those questions, when there's not that non-judgmental um, listening opportunity, and they feel like they can't contribute to the conversation, so they just shut down. So yeah. by doing those um, specific practices that way, 
we're giving men a chance to contribute. And that's what they really need. They need to feel like that they're a part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to just add that in. I, we talk yeah. about women's stuff all the time, Vaughn. So mm-hmm. I got some stuff for the ladies too. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Can I, I want to add one last point uh, sure. to, to just to kind of put a period on that conversation. I have a lot of guys and I've experienced this myself is that, you know, if they're, if I see a loving, especially if it's a, a loving marriage, uh, what they'll say and what they'll report within that marriage, they said, giving me their story and I'm conceptualizing their case. They say, you know what, my wife or my girlfriend, that was, or my fiance, they were one of the first women in my life um, that accepted me for who I was and my weakness and my vulnerability. And they didn't Mm -hmm. judge me. Mm -hmm. And so, and there was something about that, that I can be strong for them. I can protect them. But at the same time, when I was weak, they didn't judge me for feeling weak. You know what I mean? And so, uh, again, allow people to experience those. Again, women can be emotionally dismissive. If you don't allow a man to be, feel weak (laughs) at times, you know, I mean, that's right. Got to allow us to have those feelings to will be weak. And, you know, there are times we'll feel weak. And again, you can encourage us and be with us in our weakness. And then we'll feel close and we'll feel heard and we'll, again, understood. And again, uh, that's just necessary. And going to all parents have a parental agenda, you know, so sometimes you have to put your parental agenda uh, mm-hmm. to the side to connect um, with your child. Um, mm-hmm. Not about, OK, we got to get these things done. But it's like, let me see you for who you are in an authentic state um, without judgment. So. Yeah, absolutely. All good stuff. Man, I can't believe we're out of time. And Mm -hmm. what I have to say is this. Your wife has done an outstanding job with you. And so (laughs) (laughs) she worked on (laughs) She probably want to take a vacation for all this work. Hey, you know, she she needs she needs one because I'm a handful. You know, Uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be married if I was a counselor. I'll be honest with you, because I was a man. I was hell on wheels. You know, it is work. But the the biggest thing about all of this is, is just understanding, number one, just how to connect. Mm. And and that's the part I think that we don't always get education about and information about. Mm. And so the biggest part, you know, that we we talked about this last segment for the second episode on, on this whole kickoff to this men's series is how are we connecting to be able to support? And that's the biggest thing is, is that that support piece. So I appreciate you coming on and kicking off this series. We'll have to have you back to talk a little bit more in a relationship focus when we get on that piece. And we'll let you get on the ladies on that one. A good deal. Good deal. Because I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, you ladies, get ready because I'm coming yeah, for you. So. Yeah, yeah. And next time you come back, we'll be calling you Dr. Eaglin. That's, yeah. that's the hope, right? Yes, yes. That is the hope. So I'm I'm right at the end. And we just got to finish up a few other things. And then hopefully I'll, you know, I'll be graduating, and, you know. So uh, so that's necessary. I, I've come too far. I'll say it like that's that. That's right. So. Keep it going. Keep it going. Yeah. Appreciate you so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. And so um, everyone, you can find me at Vaughn Talks on Instagram or Vaughn Talks Therapy is my website. So, okay, awesome. And we'll put it in again. We'll put it in the description of the episode so you guys can go to that and and make sure you have that information as um, and make sure you go back to this episode, to both of these episodes. Go back. Take your time. I always say this on Freed Up because we always give a lot of strategies. We give a lot of tools. And if you listen to it one time, you'll probably miss something. So make sure you sit down with this episode again. Both of these episodes, go back, listen to them, take your notes, because you're going to want to write down those questions, those mirroring statements, those validation statements. You're going to want to get all of that. And you're going to want to practice them. And don't beat yourself up if it doesn't happen right off. It takes time to learn these. These are actually skills that we incorporate. These are tools that we add to our toolkit for what you've been getting over the last two years on Freed Up. So thanks, Freed Up fam. Thank you so much, Vaughn. We appreciate it. 
Okay, listen, so much good stuff in that episode. Wow, so much that we covered today. I hope that you had a good pen that didn't lose its ink and you were writing down all these notes. And in case you missed something, just like we talked about in the episode, guys, go back, take your time and just write out some of those strategies, write out some of those statements that Vaughn gave us to use when we're having conversations. But most of all, just take a moment to reflect on the fact that we've got some good tools today to really support this journey for our men as we focus on their mental health. Well, y'all, the next episode is gonna be equally exciting We have a guest coming on who's a freed up friend who's going to share his personal story about his mental health as it relates to being able to move past a very challenging relational experience with his father and his childhood. You don't want to miss it. All right, guys, remember, you don't walk this path alone. I'm walking right alongside you along with all of the freed up family. God loves you. I love you. And make sure you take care of you.